Hey, Dr. Mike here. So if you want to live forever-ish, you have to know what's in and what's not. Stay tuned to find out. You're listening to Live Forever-ish, a show dedicated to helping you live just a little longer. Here's your host, Dr. Mike and Dr. Crystal Gosser. All right, welcome to Live Forever-ish. So, Dr. Crystal, we love this. We love this show, right? This is it's our one of my favorites. Our ins and outs, living forever-ish, longer, stronger, more vibrant. Um, and and if 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 that's your goal, you know, it's our goal. Uh, you got to know what's in, things to do, and what not. So we got three ins and one out. Yeah, it's it's great for people with short attention spans. Like, well, that's about most of us today, isn't it? <laughs> uh, all right, let's get started with the first in, and I found this very interesting. Post-exercise muscle recovery, but with a specific nutrient, quercetin. Yes, uh, it's a study published July 2023 in the journal uh, Biology of Sport. I, hear, I, I love this one, Dr. Crystal, because, you know, you and I know how important it is to maintain muscle health, right? We That's that's living foreverish, right? Mm-hmm. And we also know exercise is, is an important part of that. Uh, but we but the reality is, is when, when people exercise, sometimes if they're not as committed, their muscles hurt, then they don't exercise for a few days and then they try it again. And then they're, and there's just like, like this cycle of exercising a little bit, dealing with muscle pain. And then when you feel better, two weeks later, you do it again. We don't want that. We want consistency, right? I know. Yeah. And and this is a little controversial. There's the school of thought that you, the, the muscle, when you're working it, it, there are those tears, those micro tears and the, the inflammatory response is there to heal. Uh, and so you don't want to dampen it too much. But you're right, Dr. Mike, if it's getting in the way of you going back out there, then a little bit of support to help to manage the inflammation, I think, is it's what people want. Uh Maybe not what they need. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a very common like Google question, isn't it? Yeah, you know, how, mm-hmm. how how can I help my muscles after recovery? But but let's also be honest. You know, we in our country we have an aging population. People who are exercising, they're not athletes or anything like that. They're just trying to stay healthy. And so mm-hmm. for me, I think that population focusing on some you know muscle recovery nutrients, I think is is, is pretty good. But you do make a good point. Soreness is part of the growth. Right. Yeah. So right. let's talk a little bit is, is okay. Yeah. But if it's not really manageable, maybe you overdid it, then yeah. consider quercetin. So let's talk about it. Uh, so I I guess this was a, a systemic review, right? Meta-analysis and, and review put together. Um, looks like there were 13 studies that included um, uh, close to 250 people, some of them well-trained, some of them doing nothing, right, at the end of the right. day. Mm-hmm. Uh, on average, it looks like the dose was a thousand milligrams per day. I guess there was one study that was an outlier, but most of them were a thousand milligrams per day of quercetin. Um, tell us what they found. Yeah. So they kind of uh, pulled the results of six studies and uh, specifically that measured creatine kinase. So that's a marker of tissue damage. And found a significant decrease 24 hours to 48 hours. So one to two days after exercise among participants who received that 1,000 milligrams of the quercetin. Yeah. And and so in that creatinine kinase, just so everybody knows, that's a very common, you know, lab measurement for just muscle tissue damage, really from any source. Okay. 
Yeah. And so it's nice to see that Corsidin was able to bring that down. And and so what does that mean? Well, it's a surrogate marker. If you're bringing, uh, uh, creating ki uh, kinase down, it's a surrogate marker for healing. Right. Yeah. Yes. And, and many people are taking, uh, if you're not taking quercetin and you're looking for another reason to take it, people take it for their immune system. Here's another reason to, to get that quercetin uh, and, and add it into your routine. Yeah. Now, I don't think you can just go run out and get an everyday quercetin. There's a problem with it, right? It, and this is a problem with a lot of the polyphenols. They don't absorb well. Right. Yeah. So there, there are different options, but we wanted to highlight uh, some quercetins that you may uh, be reading about the the quercetin phytosome, yeah, uh, which is uh, from sunflower phospholipid. So that quercetin is kind of uh, a part of the the membrane of that that sunflower, and it's uh, and it's helping you to kind of boost the quercetin levels with lower doses. Yeah, what so ten? I think what uh, ten milligrams of this phytosome quercetin formula is equivalent to five hundred milligrams of just regular old quercetin that's unformulated. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, some more bioavailability. You're going to get more benefit. Um, do we know in the studies if they were using a phytosome one or were they? Using no, no. This was just unformulated standard quercetin. See, one thousand milligrams. So I get even more excited now because I think you can see even better results if you're doing one that's more bioavailable. Yes. Yeah. All right. Listen, I I take quercetin. Um, I think this is a great, uh, um, as you said, another a really good reason, especially for the aging population who want to continue to exercise. Right. Yes. Right. That's right. And some days they just can't because it hurts. Hey, quercetin may be a good option for you. All right. Let's go to our in number two for living forever-ish. Um, this is about calorie restriction, but this isn't exactly about the longevity part of calorie restriction. It's more focused on muscles, right? Well, I think the broader, the broader idea that the researchers and a lot of researchers are trying to identify if the, the results that we have seen with calorie restriction in animals does that translate to humans? Yeah. Everyone wants to know because in animal models from monkeys to rats, we're seeing that it helps to, um, to just transform biology. Yeah. Helps with the overall metabolism. It helps to, to activate genes, not just for longevity, but genes for healthy cell metabolism. Yeah. It, it, it helped, you know, calorie restriction helps your cells clean themselves up. Right. right. I think that's, I think a big, big part of, of longevity. It's not just activating those longevity genes. It's actually helping the cell right now. Right. You know? It just helps that cell perform all the things that the cell has to do, you know. <laughs> I've always said it this way. I think I've told you this before. For me, calorie restriction is kind of like you're 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 making your body function at a more optimal level. It, like it becomes a lean, mean metabolism machine, you know, because right. you're limiting resources coming in. So it has to get better at at working with the resources it has. I mean, I think this is kind of a good way to explain it. And so Absolutely. it really does work. I know another bit before we get into calorie restriction and the effect on muscles. Um, 
you know, not only are we wanting to know if, if humans really do get that same longevity effect, of course, that's harder in humans because we live longer, right? You got to, that's what, you know, those other animal models, they're short lived. So it's easy to measure that. But anyways, but another question too, is how much do I have to restrict? I know the standards like 25%, right? Right. 25, sometimes 30%, but it's, it's really, um, it, 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 based on an individual's, uh, what they typically consume every day, if they were just eating normally, right. And and then you can decrease that. Yeah, I know that's, and that's tough for some people that, so there's, I I think there's other questions about, is it 20, can you get some of the same benefits at 20%, you know? So there's still questions. There are, but this study helped to answer one of those questions, which, um, we can talk about, you know, once we go through it, so the the authors of the study, the corresponding author in particular, was happy that the participants, while they were supposed to uh, decrease their calories by about 25 percent, 12 percent was was where they all was probably wanted, where they know. were at. See, it's tough. It's tough. Right. <laughs> but. The benefits were there. So, you know, that the that the study is called the calorie study, which stands for comprehensive assessment of long term effects of reducing intake of energy study. So calorie, you yeah, just put C, comprehensive A assessment. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. It took him a long time to come up with that, I promise you. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Uh, and so there were two phases. And so what we're reporting is the second phase published in the journal Aging Cell, published October uh, 2023. Right off, right off the press. I like these. Uh, and so the, the, the study, uh, I guess, overarching benefit, a positive effect of calorie restriction and skeletal muscle quality and youthful gene expression. And, uh, and so this was uh, 188 young, middle-aged, non-obese, healthy men and women two-year duration. Oh, that's good. And uh, 117 were assigned to a diet that provided 25% fewer calories than the number consumed before beginning the study. And then the remainder, of course, consumed as many calories as they desired. And the scientists used thigh muscle biopsies. Ooh. They didn't mess around. Oh, it was a, that, that's tissue proof of things, right? I mean, that's you can't get better than that. Well, I like it because, yes, we're able to see. They they use those biopsies and analyze the DNA of the samples to establish which genes during calorie restriction were upregulated, which were downregulated. Yeah. I, I'm going to tell you right now, muscle biopsies are not easy procedures for the patient. These people were, I bet they were paid for that. <laughs> I'm sure they were. That's, this is the kind of study I'm looking to join. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I can see you doing that. Right. So I, I think this is, um, again, that, that kind of analysis really just adds credibility. Yes. To, to the overall, you know, the results. And I like the way the authors concluded, um, basically after these two years, that they they were able to show that there were the, the the quality of skeletal muscle in improved significantly with with calorie restriction and that is goes directly to what we you and I say all the time muscle strength muscle flexibility it's so important 
for a moment. I agree. I agree. And I think the other piece to this that as I was kind of digging deeper, many are concerned, um, especially kind of the bodybuilding group, that if you do calorie restriction, you lose muscle. You know, sometimes when you're losing weight, you lose muscle. But what the researchers found, even if you lost a little, the quality of that muscle is so much better until it's kind of. Okay. I mean, you're, you know, the major athletes aren't going to buy into this yet. There's going to have to be more studies on this. But so if this can be shown, you get when that's what we do in science, right? Dr. Chris, you get a good study. It should be repeated. You should get some of the same results. And if you do that a few times, it adds credibility. And at some point, you got to start thinking, is this a paradigm shift for muscle builders? Well, listen, it's we saw the improvement in just the overall regulation of muscle growth and 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 breakdown, but uh, it, it affects on the expression of genes related to circadian rhythm regulation, yeah. DNA repair, mitochondrial biogenesis, so new mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, apoptosis, inflammation, other factors. Everything you just listed. It's longevity stuff <laughs> across the board, right? Right. That's good stuff. And so do you, so I guess did the authors ultimately conclude that it doesn't have to be 25% calorie reduction, that that 12%, I think is what you admit, it, that's maybe where people need to target first or something? And Well, you know, it, it would have been nice if at least some of the participants was at the 25% to see. If but it shows you how hard it is, though. That that's, It shows you how it maybe is it practical to expect people to cut calories for two years at 25%. Right. So 12% is so modest. Yeah. The, the authors were excited to show, you know, this kind of small reduction. And this is what the um, the corresponding author uh, let's make sure I spell his name, uh, say his name right. Luigi Ferrucci. <laughs> it's good. I think you nailed it. So the scientific director of the National Institute on Aging stated this kind of small reduction in calorie intake is doable and may make a big difference in your health. Listen, I, I think I think I think uh, it's nice to see that 12 percent. Um, and you know, put to put that in into like numbers for people, if you're and let's keep the numbers simple for the math. If you're on 2000 calories. That's a little more than you're cutting out a little more than 200 calories, basically. That's, That's one drink. One yeah. soda. If you yeah, drink I mean, soda, I mean, hopefully you're not. <laughs> wait, don't drink the soda. But no, I don't, right? That's, I mean, cut out. I mean, instead of the whole bagel, have half the bagel done. I mean, it, I mean it's just, it could be as simple as, as that. Okay, that was fantastic. Um, let's go to our in number three. And I love the way you always get some food in here. Right? Well, <laughs> Dr. Mike, I was hoping, kind of hoping we would, we're, we're at home, we're not in our studio, but I was going to bring in dragon fruit. And so my daughter was the inspiration for number three. She loves dragon fruit. We were shopping last week and she said, dragon fruit. She just (laughs) lost her mind. I said, okay, go ahead and pick out dragon fruit. And I was shamefully had no idea how to cut it, what, you know, anything about dragon fruit. Yeah. It's Mom, weird. It's weird looking. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we brought it home and my husband, of course he knew he was like, well, it needs to be refrigerated. It's better cold. <laughs> Said, okay, we'll put it in the refrigerator. We'll have dragon fruit later. Yeah. And, and so the kids had dragon fruit and, and so I, I figured 
I would look to see what research is out there. And I found a January 2023 kind of comprehensive review article on the health benefits of dragon fruit. So I said, it's going in to our I think, Great. <laughs> I think it's great. I mean, just kind of, to, I mean, so there's so 27 studies, five were clinical trials. The trials focused on, you have here, glycemic control, lipids, antioxidant status, how the vessels are dilating and stuff and arterial stiffness. Um, and I guess overall, they saw improvements in these things just by adding dragon fruit. Yes, yes. And well, it was dragon fruit. And then the, some of them used the dragon, uh, the dragon fruit extract. But I just figured, hey, it's another another fruit. Really? If you see it, it's in season from June to November. So you have 30 days <laughs> to still <laughs> find it in season. If you're listening to this, you know, when, right. when it's posted the, the in November. Yeah, and I think I think keep in mind that fruits and vegetables have seasons is important because in, in today's grocery stores you could almost see this stuff all the time. That's because like they freeze the stuff for a while, guy, and they bring it back out later when it's not in season. So keep that in mind. You, it, eating them in season is they taste best, and it's the, when they're most nutritious. Yes, the source of vitamin C, iron. You just cut it in half, and then you can just spoon out. It It kind of reminds you of kiwi, but the flesh is sometimes white with the little black speckles or uh, or red with the black speckles. But it looks really weird, but it's it tastes delicious, like a um, pairing between kiwi and pear. If you can kind of imagine that very good flavor. I love I love throwing in food. You know, we we talk about food first um, all the time, and it's great to see that that's a major dragon fruit is a major in for living forever ish. Your daughter is right on it. That's right. <laughs> all right, let's go to the out. This is what you don't want. These are the things you want to avoid. And in this case, we wanted to talk about dry eyes, right? Um, and and you know, I, I I this is definitely a problem for me, especially during um, for me it's spring and fall. Those are my allergy areas at times, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely, um, dry eyes is, is, is part of my symptoms for sure. So do you think you're just not making enough or is it your allergy medication that's drying out just the, I don't, the well, I don't, I, don't, I only do quercetin for okay. allergies. Yeah. And so I think it's really, I think it's a, it's the actual allergen, um, causing maybe a drop in tear production. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and then of course, once it's irritated, you start rubbing uh, and that makes it worse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like to use the over the counter um, uh, teardrops um, because we know that that that's not always the best thing long-term, right? They can help. Like if, if you're doing it a few days or whatever, that's fine. But if you're doing dry uh, drops chronically, your eyes are just, your eyes are going to give up. They're just they're just waiting for the drop. They're not going to very be, They're not going to make their own tears at some point. Yes, yes. So you know when you're looking at dry eyes, it's either not making enough. Maybe those tears are evaporating too quickly. That's where the omega threes come in, and we talked about that um, uh, on a previous podcast where we discussed omega threes for dry eyes, or maybe the tear low quality tear film 
But now we're talking about something else, which is Mockyberry. I love it. I love this. You know, you and I have seen this before, and I think I'm glad we're sharing this with um, the, the the listeners. Um, I, before we before we get into Mockyberry, what do you what about we talk about computers and blue light and all that kind of stuff? I know that can fatigue the eyes, and we know it can damage. Um, your macula and your retina over time. But what about dry eyes? Do you think that's also, I don't think I get dry eyes by staring at the screens, but maybe some people do. Well, well, some people aren't blinking enough. So yes, when you're just staring at something or you're watching a a smartphone, a computer, um, not only are you kind of getting the blue light, which is, you know, impacting the, the retina, but yes, you're, if you're not blinking, it's just blink. kind of looking. <laughs> yes, it can. It can be a cause of dry eyes. Of course, uh, vision correcting surgeries. Oh yeah. So LASIK good. surgery, cataract surgery. I mean, some people can never really uh, get over the the dry eyes that accompany those surgeries. Yeah. And so the the, the mockyberries they contain these bioactive pigments, right? And that's probably where the benefits coming from. So tell us about the study that we have here. Yeah. So uh, we know again, Mockyberry, that's an extract. Uh, Delphinidins is the extract found in Mockyberry. Uh, Mockyberry is a fruit native to Chile and Argentina. And it's been shown to increase natural tear production when taken orally. And in one study that we wanted to highlight Uh, It's a little bit of an older study, but I like it because it's a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial published in the Journal of Traditional and Complementary Medicine. 74 healthy participants uh, who had moderate eye dryness and eye fatigue were exposed to video display screens for at least four hours. There you go. Yeah. That was the inter the stressor that was the stressor yeah so they're all right so they're saying yeah that's a major that's an issue with dry eyes yeah yeah so four hours daily half the volunteers took 60 milligrams of maki berry extract daily the other half such a placebo i'm surprised the 60 milligram well obviously it worked we got we got a positive study but i would have thought maki berry was higher than that Yeah, so 60 milligrams, both groups started with about the same degree of eye dryness. And after four weeks, so this is just one month of Mockyberry, the the Mocky group had a 45% increase in the production of tear fluid in both eyes. Yeah. Uh, Substantially improved values for ocular symptoms. So kind of that feeling of the grittiness, the dry eyes. And significant improvements in eye fatigue, as well as stiff shoulders, which often occur with eye strain, you're straining. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that is, it's just something that you should consider pairing that, that uh, the omega-3s work great with the maki berry. And for people who struggle, yes, you feel fatigue when your eyes are tired and, and yeah. dry and irritated. So yeah. just the overall quality of life can be improved. I get that. I know I, I do for sure. I understand that with my allergies and like when I get dry eyes and stuff, that's fantastic. And I love it. I love it when um, something as simple as, as, as a food, a berry, right? Safe, effective, 
for dry eyes. You don't need all fancy stuff out there. I mean, the food can do this, right? That's why we love yes. uh, natural med- medicine so much. So, well, that's fantastic. There's our three ins and the one out for living forever-ish. Hey, our sponsor, Life Extension, would like to thank our listeners with a special 10% off discount at lifeextension.com. All you got to do is when you check out with your order, just type in uh, podcast and redeem 10% off um, as long as you're $50 or more. Plus, you get free shipping on your entire order. So check that out at lifeextension.com. And then don't forget at uh, liveforeverish.com, we've got many, many more podcasts you can watch. Please go ahead and download, like, share, and subscribe so you never miss a show. That's liveforeverish.com. I'm Dr. Mike. That is Dr. Kristen. Thanks for listening.